Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equip to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equip to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. How many of you have had kids that keep resisting your instructions? You tell them to do something and they don't do it. You ask them to do something, you beg them, you lecture them, you tell them why they need to do it, and the response is, eh, nah, or sure, sure, I'll be on that in just a minute. Or they just don't even acknowledge that they heard you. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today on Equip to Be. Because as we're raising our kids and they start to push back, it could be as young as two or three years old. You're telling them, don't touch that. And they look at you and shake their head no. Or you tell them to come to you so you can help them get in the car seat. And they're like, no. And then they hit the middle school years. You tell them to come eat a snack. I don't want to eat that snack. Pick up your room. I don't want to pick up my room. I like my room messy. And you get to the middle school. Make sure that you call me when you get to where you're going. Or make sure you have the house ready when I get home. In the high school years. I mean, it just literally goes on and on, doesn't it? You know, be home by 11 and they're... They don't even call you at 11 and they get in at 12 and they have this, well, what's wrong with you? I was out. I was out with my friends. Don't you understand? Some of you can't relate to this because your children are very compliant or you're in a good season. Some of you, you're nodding your head right now going, oh my goodness, I deal with this all the time. I know that you do because so many of you have reached out. I was at a speaking engagement. There was a bunch of moms in the room and And they were at different, all the kids were at different ages and the moms were at different ages. Some had one child, some had five kids, some had more. And this theme of my kids are resisting me just kept coming up. And I've had people, I've had friends in conversation talk about uh, seasoned veteran mamas that are dealing with some of this and and we're going, so what are you going to do? That's what we're going to talk about. So let me ask you this. Why do you think kids in the first place are resisting? Well, it may not surprise you, but there's a lot of reasons that our kids resist. Sometimes it's just a plain communication breakdown. You know, maybe our kids feel ignored. That does happen. Or maybe they feel like they've been dismissed. Their point of view, how they think about something, how they feel in general, physically how they feel, and they will feel like perhaps uh, they are not understood by you, uh, the parent, the grandparent, the educator, the coach. And they try to communicate their needs, but guess what? They're children, which means they're not highly skilled in communication. They don't know all the subtle nuances, all the little words they need to say, what words might trigger a negative reaction from you. They they haven't learned all that yet. So they're trying their best to communicate how they think, how they feel, how they're processing what is going on. And 
They're trying to figure out how to tell you maybe something that's going on in their life that they're trying to process, but they don't want to tell you because they're afraid maybe you're going to overreact. Maybe you're going to minimize their needs or even their wants. And again, that goes back to being dismissive. Y'all, you know what that's like when you're trying to communicate something. Maybe it's to a friend or to a colleague. Uh, Maybe it's to your spouse. I mean, Tom and I, it's funny. I will say one thing, and it is not what he heard. Do you ever have that happen? It's almost as if I'm speaking a different language and he just kind of looks at me. Or I'm saying with a smile on my face, a very specific point, and he kind of repeats it back, nothing, resembling nothing like what I just said. Communication is huge. And when we have a breakdown in communication, our kids can often start pushing back and resisting us and our instructions and how we're trying to run and lead our families. And you know what else can happen? If we have communication breakdowns that are left unidentified, uh, maybe we don't work them through. Again, if you are dismissing something, you don't necessarily feel that you need to go back and readdress it, do you? But you might. You might need to. You might need to in order to get to the heart of the matter. You might need to to get to the resentment that's brewing underneath. But you know, if we don't address the communication, guess what happens? It can be further resistance and there could be rejection. Now, I've talked about rejection before in a show. We've had guests on the program. We've talked about, you know, what do we do when our kids reject us? That's a great fear. All of us, every parent deals with the fear of rejection at every stage. My kids are all adults and, and I still, I still will catch myself worrying that, Will they reject what I'm trying to say? Maybe I'm trying to give them a tidbit of wisdom or advice, and there's just this little, will they reject it? Now, some of you will be like, oh, I don't care. Just say what you think and be done with it. That's great if that's how it works for you. And if that's the dynamic of the relationship that you have with that child or your spouse or your friend, that's not the nature of all of them, though. So we do want to be careful about that. Another reason our kids can resist us is power struggles. You want to be in control or they want to be in control (laughs) or you both want to be in control. That's a fun one. See, these power struggles that happen within the dynamics of our home, they often happen when children feel like their parents are trying to control them or take away their freedom. Just think for a minute. The last, you know, last tiff you got into, the last time you asked them to do something and it didn't get done, or you gave instructions and they mocked it. That does happen. Or they correct you and tell you that basically they don't agree. Well, I've heard this, honestly, friends, for decades. This whole power play, who's going to be in control? It's natural as our kids grow that they want to have and take on more decision-making, more of the decisions and making of decisions for their lives. It's where they want to go or maybe even what time they want to go. That's a natural, normal part of growing up. And often, as I write about in Parenting Beyond the Rules, it's 
with our teens, especially middle schoolers and teens, and it can be some elementary, older elementary age kids, but the truth is everything you say, they view as you're just trying to control them or you're trying to be the killjoy. And then everything that they respond back to, they react to, you view as rebellion or rejection, resistance. Well, neither one of you are thinking right about the situation because you know, or you should know, it's not about control and they should know you're not trying to control them. But that would go back to step one, wouldn't it? Communication. As our kids start to grow, we've got to start giving them more ability to make decisions and to give input. See, if we push or we demand at certain ages and with certain temperaments, without giving them the why behind it or without that feeling of trust and respect, it it makes parenting a lot harder. And they do resist that. And as they get older, if you haven't gotten dug into that that those feelings more and maybe it maybe you are controlling there we frankly we do want to save time and most of the time we know how to solve the problem and because time is of the essence these days it makes it more difficult for us to just let our kids kind of work it out but letting them is what's needed having some conversations asking them well what would you do or how would you do it And then being willing to say, well, I think there's a better way, but go ahead. Or I hear what you're saying, but because of these reasons, I need you to do what I'm asking you to do, and and we'll bring this back up. But I do hear what you're asking me. Another reason our kids end up resisting us is they have different priorities than we have. You know, we're thinking about uh, paying the bills, getting our work done raising our family, getting things tidied up, running the bazillions of errands. There's just the multitude of things we have to get done. Our priorities are different from our children's. Our children, when they're little, they would love to just sit and watch the ants or watch the birds for a long time. They would love to go on long walks. Not all of them, but a lot of them. There's things they think is important that captivates their imagination and their attention. But you guess what? There are things that you have that could captivate your attention as well. There are things that are a priority to you, and you don't have a lot of time to debate the topic, to have another argument. You don't. But when you approach your kids, even your businesses and your spouses, and you realize their priorities are different, the set of thinking skills, the, the level of responsibility is different on each of us in our families. Dad has a certain feeling of responsibility. Mom has a feeling of responsibility. Your kids have a sense of lack of sense of responsibility sometimes. You're trying to urge them to pick up some, you know, responsibility. But differing priorities can really cause our kids to push back and resist because they don't understand why. They're not mature enough. Maybe we're expecting more out of them than what they're able, and that's the root of what we need to work on, is helping them understand where you're coming from, not in a lecture format, but as you would like a friend having a conversation. Because our kids prioritize play over tasks. 
If you tell them to clean the house, hey, we're going to clean the house, pick up all the toys. Their kids are thinking, I just want to go outside and play. So if you flip it and you say, hey, for 20 minutes, we're going to clean up the house and then we're going to go outside and play. Okay, now there's this motivator. There's something in it for them that they actually are looking forward to. And they'll do it. But I'm going to tell you this. You set the timer for 20 minutes, stop at 20 minutes when the timer goes off. I can't tell you how many times we would be on a roll and there'd be just like just a little bit more to do. Just a little bit more to do. And my clock watchers, you, pr- uh, you probably have some of those. My clock watchers would be saying, Mom, it's been 20 minutes. Mom, you said all oh, we were going to do this. Oh, yeah, I know, I know, but we're almost finished. Yeah, guess what happens when you do that? Your word gets diminished. They don't trust you when you say 20 minutes. They don't believe you. Maybe it will be 20 minutes. Maybe it'll be 25 or maybe it'll be 30. And then everybody will be in trouble because someone decided to say something like, hey, you, you told us one thing and you're doing something else. Does that mean you can never stretch it? No, it, it doesn't mean that. But as a rule, and I'm, I mean not beyond the rules here, as a general rule, if you tell them 15, 20 minutes, Keep it 15, 20 minutes. Guess what? What you don't get done, unless it's like a major catastrophe, there's food all over the place, unless it's something that's a really big deal, it'll still be there. And you can tidy it back up after you get done playing or after you get done going to the park, whatever it is. But your word has got to matter to your kids. Don't let yourself get distracted. Set that timer. You know, everybody has a phone. Or they have a smartwatch. So set that timer and stick to it. Because your priorities are not your kids' priorities. And when you don't identify that, then they start to resist and push back. So the fourth is the lack of understanding. You know, children just don't understand the reason behind your instructions. Why does that matter? Why do I need to bake my bed? I'm just going to get back in it in, you know, 12 hours. Why is it necessary for me to put my cup in the dishwasher? Why do I need to put my dirty laundry in a laundry basket? Whatever your specific things are for your home that makes your home run smoothly. Why do I need to sweep the front porch? Why do I need to shake out the rug? Why do I need to, you know, clean out the toilet? Whatever it is, they don't understand why it's important. Could be sanitary reasons, health concerns just peace of mind. Mama can't handle all the clutter. Maybe you just, you want to run a home that's somewhat in order and clutter-free. For me, I need my house to have a sense of order. doesn't mean there can't be clutter or piles of paper. It just means for me, there has to be a sense of decency and order, uh, and the kitchen needs to be clean. That's just me. There were seasons, though, I didn't. I had to let that go because we were on the go so much. But a lack of understanding. Now, this can lead to confusion in your kids and frustration, which very well could lead to frustration and disobedience and resistance. And as I began with communication, I will close. These are just, you know, five, five tips, really, of why our kids resist. And there's many, many more. But I believe these are the major factors, and that is our kids' desire for space, 
as your kids kind of grow up and mature, they naturally want to assert their independence. They don't want to be bossed around, told what to do, when to do it, how to do it, why to do it. It's, it doesn't sit well within their heart. And when you remember, our kids are growing up, maturing, developing, becoming the person God made them to be so that one day they will step out of your home and into society, able to navigate the world around them. So it, it's good that that's happening. Some of your kids are going to be very compliant. Okay, well, whatever, mom. I mean, it really doesn't matter to them. They'll do whatever you say because truly their temperament is whatever if that makes you happy. And there are other kids that'll be like, no, it's a bad idea. I don't agree with your idea. I don't want to do it right now. I want to do it later. I mean, everything you say is met with resistance and objections. It just, those are some personality types. So certainly raising a child who's very compliant makes you think you're an amazing parent when reality, you probably are an amazing parent, but you also have an easy child to raise. So it makes you feel like maybe you're doing better than you are. That's beautiful when you have those. I had a couple of those. Boy, it was just, it's like, oh man, I wish all my kids could be like that, but they're not. But that doesn't mean the ones that aren't are bad or should always be in trouble or I need to come down harder on them. No, you have to understand they have a God-given need as they grow up to pull away, to problem solve in their way, to have a sense of independence. What does that mean? How do you let go? What, what is it you let go of? Does that mean I really want our beds made in the morning? Does that mean I have to tell my child, okay, fine, if you don't feel like it, say whatever. You know, I would tell my kids, you know, while you're living here, this is how we're going to do things. But I tell you what, there will be a day when you're out on your own, you're paying your own bills, you're paying your own insurance. You never have to make your bed again. And it's not going to bother me. I will not come visit you and look at your bed and say, hey, make your bed. And there's other things I would say to my kids. Certain kids had certain things they just didn't agree with. Like having a clean sink when you wake up in the morning, they didn't care. As they grew up, I would tell them, hey, listen, it's, you're not living alone here. And we're not roommates, we're a family. And so this is how we're going to do it. Because when mom comes downstairs, I can't begin my day of making breakfast or getting all that we need to do done, making packing lunches, whatever it is, when I can't get to the counter because you left the pizza crust from the night before because you wanted a midnight snack or because you've left just a mess everywhere. And I've got to first clean up your mess before I begin my day. That doesn't work. And you literally just tell them, this is how we're going to do it. And I, again, I will go back to, and when you get your own place, and that day is going to happen, you will be able to make all those decisions. When you have your children, if you don't want them to do the dishes, guess what? You don't have to. If you don't want them to pick up their clothes, then don't make that a big deal. If you don't want them to make their bed, clean the toilet, sweep the front porch, whatever it is, do you, you know exactly what I'm saying. Do your school do your homework right away, get up at a certain time in the morning. All of those are decisions that you will then follow and make and as you establish your home. But in our home, this is how we're going to do things. That doesn't mean they were hard, fast rules. It meant that I would evaluate and see, okay, is this really a big deal? And I focused on the things that truly were a big deal. And that was having a clean kitchen. 
That was that was the one thing I would never say, okay, well, you don't care if there's dirty dishes. Well, you're not living alone. And that was the one area. And we'd have to have lots of conversations with some of our kids about the importance of that. And here's what's funny. Pretty much everything that we had to work through as the kids are growing up, when they become adults, because what? You're in their head. They know your reasons why, because you've communicated with them. They learn to realize that, oh, you're not just trying to control them for your own you know, power trip. They know that, oh, we just, we're just different. You see things your way. I see things my way. That doesn't mean that there's not a, a central theme or standard that we all adhere to or a set of beliefs that represent our family. No, those things are, are there. Those are the bedrock. Those are the foundations. It's all the other stuff that we can have leeway in. And all those other subtle areas are what can make our children either resist and push back or compromise or just go along with. But it's important that from early time that you communicate with your children Give them an explanation as to why you're having these instructions. And, and I know, I know, some of you are sitting there going, I don't have time for that. Please hear me. You don't not have time for that because you're not parenting for the here and now, for this particular moment. You're parenting with a future goal, and it requires a little bit more on the teaching side when they're early so that you can reinforce it as they get older. It becomes, these are the habits and the patterns that we follow that will make our lives successful or make us more like the Lord or bring us closer together. And always work to understand their perspective. You know, this will help them stop resisting what you're saying and having a problem. Just with your look, they can tell if you're disapproving by the look you give. Work on that look if they feel like you're disapproving. Work on changing that look and ask the Lord to help you see that. See, we have to have these reasonable expectations, friends. We have to provide choices when it's possible. We can't run. I'm a mother of five. If, I, if everybody had a choice, uh, we would be in chaos. We had a set of standards that just made us who we were. The other stuff, there was give and take. And it's funny because now that my kids are all on their own, I kind of laugh at how much of their childhood habits, disciplines that we began early in our parenting journey, they have now adopted and they're living by those standards in their lives. Are they exactly the same? No, because they're not us. But guess what? They learn to see the importance of what it is that you're teaching them and why it matters to their life. And some may go off a bit. They may say, ah, they may reject it for a while, but guess what? God isn't finished. And he uses other people and they can come along and reinforce the things that you've said, the reasons, the standards that you've held and why. And they see other people's lives as they start getting older and they start comparing, you know, your neighbor's lives to their lives. And all of a sudden, it starts to make sense to them. They start seeing, oh, we are, we are a little different. Our family would say, we're the Alberts and this is how we live. We are the Alberts and this is how we do life. They don't see the value as a kid until they get older and they turn around and they see, wow. As my daughter said, 
look at our family. Perfect? No. I mean, your kids know all your stuff, right? Because they live with you and you know theirs. But in the end, we want our kids to, to be able to look back and say, look at our family. It's really cool. They'll see the work that you're putting in to the parenting and to raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They'll see that. Some see it sooner than others, but trust in that, my friends. And when you give them a set of reasonable expectations and you give them some choices where it's possible, where it seems to fit, and you allow them to feel the sense of some sense of control over small things when they're little and over bigger things when they get older, adjusting a curfew, going someplace with others, taking on more responsibility, getting a job, all those things. Guess what? They start to see they're stepping into a new season of life that will, God willing, that will help them be prepared to live out from under your roof, but with a relationship so strong, they want to continue doing life together. So I hope these tips help you. I know that there's so much more I could say, so many more examples we could give here, but in our short time, that's all we have. But remember that you are equipped to be the parent that they need you to be. God has given you the skills, the tools, the resources, more importantly, to be able to teach that specific child so that he hears your voice, so that they respond to your instructions, so that we minimize the the fighting and the arguing and the disagreements over everything and anything. The way that we go about this is usually just subtle changes here or there throughout our day. But always ask the Lord. Always ask the Lord in your prayer time, as you're reading his word, to give you direction for that particular child, to open your eyes, to help you see through their lens so that they will better understand that I am for you. I'm not trying to control you. I'm for you. I want what's best for you. And guess what? If they faceplant, if they make the wrong decisions, if they find themselves in a, a little deep water, they still know that you are for them. Thank you for tuning into this edition of Equipped to Be. And I would ask that you share this with your friends. Let us know if this was of help to you as you are in your parenting journey. And guess what? We have the show notes. So make sure you go over to ConnieAlbers.com and check out the show notes, share it with a friend, leave a comment, subscribe to the podcast, and we will see you next week. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.